0: If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock, to denial, to grief, to anger, to confusion, to joy, and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, Know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there.
1: I figured out that my, all the depression that I had for those years was really grief. It wasn't depression, it was really grief of loss, of loss, you know, of um, not this not knowing, you know. But well, like I said, towards the end, I had to, um, I pretty much basically detached myself from ever. I detached myself from that grief. I detached myself from that craving of you know, wanting to know. Because in Buddhism, what creates our suffering is our craving, is our attachment to things that we cannot change. Mm. So that's what helped.
0: Imagine spinning into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me, and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. Some DNA surprise stories are harder to unravel than others. When Linda found out about her NPE, she was nearly 60 years old, and both her mother and birth certificate father had passed. In this week's episode, Linda shares how she was able to track down the identity of her biological father despite genealogical challenges such as endogamy. I also want to add a quick content warning for this episode. Because Linda can't ask any of her parents about her conception, she does not know if she was the result of a consensual relationship or sexual assault, and she mentions this. If you have experienced sexual abuse, Please contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1 800 656 4673 for support. Thank you, Linda, for sharing your story.
1: Okay, my name is Linda, and I am 67, and I was born in Chicago. In 2014, I had done the ancestry test. And I was curious because I grew up believing that I was half Polish and half German. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what, when I was growing up, I always kind of intuited that that wasn't really right. And so the more I started reading about these NP, NPE stories, you know, after I found out that I was, there's always, I, I read that there's always some type of, uh, intuition or um, a friend of mine called it like a blood memory, mm. but you can't prove anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get like a DNA test. And so the sole reason that I took a DNA test, um, as I said, I believed I was half German and half Polish. Uh, my mother was Polish. My father, or, you know, the man who raised me who I believe was my father was, was German. He came from Germany in the uh, 1920s. The sole reason I took a DNA test was because, and this might sound weird, I've done 13 trips to India. I'm a yoga teacher and I've studied in India mm. and I had never gone to, I had never gone overseas in my life. Uh, I went solo. i had never gone overseas in my life until I was 51 and as soon as I stepped on Indian ground, I felt like I had come home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the feeling was just so primal. It's really hard to explain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so I had you know, done all these trips to India and everything. And I remember my mother had told, I was dark. I have, you know, almost black hair. My eyes are brown. They're almost, you know, black, very dark brown. And even though my parents were light haired, you know, and light eyes, you know, being Polish and German. Mm-hmm. So my mother had always told me growing up because I was so dark, she said that I that I have gypsy blood in me. Okay, of course, like gypsy is like a racist term, right? But um, um, she said I had gypsy blood in me. That's why I um, was so dark. Uh, But I'm light lighter skin, and so um, I knew that the Roma people actually uh, came through Eastern Europe or, you know, migrated into Europe from um, the North India, you know, Pakistan area. So my my thought was, wow, you know, I'm like, I feel so connected to India. And, it's, you know, really feels like my second home. You know, maybe I have, you know, some DNA from uh, uh, India. So I took the DNA test. So was first one, I took three. first one was ancestry. And this is 2014, and I was D9, right? So I get the DNA test back, get the results. And I'm like, ooh, I'm like so excited to find some Indian from India DNA. Well, it was an India, it was an Indian from India. It was like native at the time Ancestry had it as Native American. Okay. Mm-hmm. I looked and I'm thinking, okay. Why is, like, 99% of the DNA matches in Ancestry, why do they have Spanish last name? Wow. Right? So, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait. wait. You know, like, DNA doesn't lie. But, you know, because, you know, they, they solve, like, 20-year-old crimes with just a little, right. you know, piece of DNA, right? But I'm thinking, wait a minute. you know, okay. I got to take another DNA test because, just to make sure. So... I did 23 me for my second DNA test. Came back. Same results. Most of the most of the DNA matches had Hispanic, you know, or Spanish, you know, last names. I went and I did a third DNA test. Oh my gosh. I, I did my heritage. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, because it's like, what?
0: You know. Yeah, just that disbelief.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, just to make sure, okay, I'll do three tests my heritage came back same thing most of the dna matches so in all these dna tests the majority of dna matches i mean high majority like over 90 percent were um spanish
0: last names what was your initial like thought you know how were you feeling when you saw that my initial
1: thought was that it just confirmed what i had always intuited okay mm-hmm. Because when I was in, when I was a kid, I'd look in the mirror and I'd think, I, I really thought I was adopted. And I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I really thought I was adopted because, like, I didn't look like my parents, you know. And then, like, you know, when I found out these results, I was like, always, you know, I had, like, more than one thought. My, like I said, my first thought was, like, okay, this, is, like, confirmed, what I always intuited, And I was actually ecstatic. I was, like, so happy. And then, very soon thereafter, I just, like, Really plunged into like the deepest depression. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was really in, I was really in this really deep. I mean, I, of course, I could still function my life. I'm a yoga teacher. I still teach classes, you know, all this other stuff. But I was in like a really deep depression for a really long while.
0: So, Did you contact, were you able to contact your parents to ask them questions? No, my parents are dead. Okay.
1: Uh, I actually moved out when I was 18 because my mother was uh, abusive. Mm. So I moved out when I was 18 and basically never looked back. Nobody ever told me the truth. I have no idea whether the man I thought was my father ever knew the truth. And I was born when my mother was uh, 41. So in the 50s, I think that was kind of like a late age for women to have children i mean because you know women were you know having kids when they were what like 18 19 mm-hmm. you know and, and my mother never told me the truth about everything but then thinking back when i started thinking about all this there were like little signs maybe like okay my name is linda which is a spanish name
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i mean it's pretty in spanish right and She had always emphasized that I had like a Spanish um, first name. She always uh, encouraged me to, when I was growing up in Chicago, I went to Chicago Public School. Um, The grammar school had Spanish lessons for uh, kids in the seventh and eighth grade. I started taking Spanish when I was in grammar school, and this was in the 60s. And I just remember just little different things that might have pointed to that, but my mother never said anything to me about it. And the one thing I remember though, that all of a sudden like popped into my mind with all these, you know, after the DNA test and everything was that my mother never, like I said, she was abusive. She had some mental problems. And my mother never even told me about her side of the family. I mean, my father, the man who raised me, you know, told me a lot about Germany, how I came from, you know, came from Germany, you know, this and that. My mother never said a word about her family, you know, where they came from. I didn't even know where my Polish side came from until I started taking, you know, doing the DNA test. And the one thing I remember, I was probably about like four or five years old, she took me to meet her mother. So my, my grandmother, my Polish grandmother. And the only thing I remember was that my grandmother told me that I look Mexican. And I was a, I was like, we left the room and never saw her again. Wow. I had no contact whatsoever with my, uh, at that time, it was only her um, mother was alive. Like I said, no, this was never mentioned to me. So the only thing I could figure out was that my mother was either assaulted or, um, you know, she had an affair. I mean, she was always with my father. You know, they had a store on the South side of Chicago. And, you know, thinking back on all this, I thought, well, is this why my mother was had mental illness and, you know, is that why she was abusive? Not so much like physically, but more emotional mm-hmm. um, abuse. Like I said, I moved out when I was 18 and never looked back. And so now going back to all the DNA tests, I thought, okay, well, you know, how am I going to find out the truth? I mean, no one is alive who can tell me anything, yeah. right? yeah. And like I said, I, I, you know, felt this depression because my heritage was stolen from me, you know, right. my roots were stolen from me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, how am I going to, you know, research this? So I actually, I'm sure you probably know what search angels are. Mm-hmm. And because I couldn't afford any uh, big ancestry search. And so I actually, I can't remember how soon after my discovery that I got this first search angel. And um, she's pretty good. I mean, she put together, you know, a good uh, DNA tree on ancestry and everything. The thing was, she was not an expert in endogamy. And endogamy is when, cousins, you know, cousins marry cousins, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to figure out, like, where exactly I, what family I descended from. Because all my matches on ancestry and you know all the other, you know, ancestry tests, they're all cousins. I would have mm-hmm. some first cousins, a lot of second cousins, a lot of third cousins, you know, cousins farther back than third cousins. And the thing with with endogamy is that my DNA, my Mexican DNA, was coming from the same family. Basically, I mean, there are a number of other families involved. I descend from three families from uh, Zacatecas, uh, Mexico. They were all in the same, come to find out later, uh, that they all were from the same area in the small uh, Rancho in uh, Zacatecas, uh, Mexico. So, because when they came to uh, Mexico from Spain, I'm assuming that these same families all travel together and they all, you know, bought this land in Mexico. So a lot of cousins were marrying cousins. And so it was really hard to find out who exactly my biological father was. And I have to say that I discovered, finally discovered after seven years, who my biological father was last November. And I'll get to that story. Oh my gosh.
0: So it took seven years before you got the answer because of the endogamy component.
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's like when people, when I read these stories, you know, there's all these, you know, MPE uh groups on Facebook and everything. Uh when I read these stories, I mean you know, people are like, oh yeah, you know, I found out who my biological father was, you know, you know, just not, you know, everybody was having these stories, you are telling stories, you know, they found out right away. Well if you descend from very endogamous families, you might never find out because All the DNA is the same. It's not like you descend from two separate families, right? Right. Like your grandparents or like, say like your grandmother is like a Smith and your grandfather is Jones. Here you have two totally separate genetic lines, right? Mm -hmm. But in my case, it was like, you know, a common Spanish name is Perez. If like two Perez cousins married each other. So that DNA is coming from the same family. So you can't really, it's hard to like separate it out.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So it wasn't like two really distinct. I did not have like, of course there's like the polar side. There was like my mother's DNA, but then all the Mexican DNA was basically coming from the same genetic pool. So, so to speak. So the first um, search angel, you know, quit. And, um, she just basically said, I'm sorry, you know, like I just can't, I don't know enough about she even had somebody else look at my matches on ancestry. She goes, I don't know enough about endogamy to figure this out. She said, You will have to have to find out for certain who your biological father was. She says, you'll have to have like somebody like like an like an aunt, an uncle, grandparent, somebody like very close, like test. Where we can where we can really figure this out, like a niece, a nephew. You know, half-brother, half-sister, somebody somebody in that close relationship, But a, you know, in order to figure out who a um, biological father is. Right, okay? right. Like I said, I mean, everywhere showing up, cousin, 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 cousin. I even had one cousin on Ancestry. She is um, a first cousin once removed on one side, but she's basically, it's either like a second or third cousin on the other side. So she's like my, she's like a double cousin.
0: Wow. Okay. So it's so complicated. It's very complicated. So people who
1: have trouble finding out their biological uh, parent, um, I would strongly suggest that they um, explore endogamy, like read up on that, you know, find, because not all people who do genetic research like this, to figure out uh, endogamous relationships, mm-hmm. it's very complicated. And believe me, I've learned more than I want to know yeah. about
0: endogamy. Is endogamy very common, like in Mexico, or it's common? Yeah, it's common
1: in Mexico. It's actually, I find out it's common uh, in Jewish families. It's common in um, Native American families. It led me actually to my second search angel because I was in this, you know, NPE group and you know people were talking about, oh, I wish I could find a you know search angel, you know, blah blah blah. And I said, Well, I'm like, Yeah, like I wish I could find a search angel with like, you know, knows about endogamy. And this woman, you know, messaged me. She goes, I know, you know, a little bit more than endogamy than the average DNA researcher because she was from Australia and she does a lot in Maori,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the indigenous in New Zealand. And she says they are very heavily uh, endogamous. And so she said, you know, if you give me permission, you know, go on your ancestry, 23andMe, and my heritage and all that. And she is the one who discovered, again, after seven years, uh, my the name of my bi- biological father. And the only reason that happened is because you know, all these years, seven years, I'm getting the notices from, or you know, the emails from the uh, DNA uh, testing uh, companies. You know, you have a match, you know, this match, you know, this cousin, third cousin, fifth cousin. Well, I wasn't interested in that. I have, like, literally 600 people right. in my DNA tree and ancestry.
0: Most of them are cousins, <laughs> you know. And were you, just during that time, were you... Like, what were you feeling? Were you spending a lot of time thinking about it and trying to research, or you know, what was your life like while you didn't know?
1: Well, I mean, my my life went on, you know, normally. I mean, I was still dealing with depression, and I basically resigned myself at my age because you know I found out when I was fifty nine. I mean, this uh, last year I was sixty seven. I would actually just totally resigned myself to. I wasn't attached to finding out about my you know, biological father anymore. I just thought, hey, at my age, there's probably nobody alive who can tell me anything. And I basically resigned myself to never ever learning out the name of my biological father, I just resigned myself to it, which actually helped me a lot with my depression about it, you know? Yeah. And um, I should say, in the meantime, I actually met I connected with some close cousins like like first and second cousins on Ancestry because we would message, you know, because like you get a match, you know, I would message like the close matches on 23andMe or Ancestry. So I actually connected with some cousins who actually uh, live about an hour from me. Oh, <laughs> some Mexican wow. cousins. Wow. I actually met them two years ago before COVID <laughs> um, in 2019. And it was like They were just so happy. Like, nobody knew who my biological father was. You know, people had some ideas, like, because it had to be somebody who was up in Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, at this time. They're like, oh my God, you look like, I'm not going to mention, you know, the last names, Mm -hmm. you know, you look like, you know, this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And because I actually had another conflict with this, I, okay, I'm half Mexican. My biological father was Mexican. Can I even, like, call myself Mexican? Right. The thing was, is that nobody ever, when I was growing up, nobody ever thought that I was, like, Polish and German.
0: Like, nobody. Mm. It was either, like, oh, you look Middle Eastern, you look Italian. Right. So how did you kind of grapple with that ethnic identity?
1: To be honest, I I was like, okay. That explains it. Yeah. That explains it. Ironically, my first husband is Mexican. Huh. And I actually, we actually lived in South Texas with his um, mother and uh, stepfather. This was, you know, years ago. So I always kind of like was in or familiar with the Mexican culture. It wasn't foreign to me, like whatsoever at all. I mean, I speak Spanish, you know, I can understand Spanish, I can read Spanish, mm-hmm. it just felt right, you know? Yeah. And so when I met my cousins, can I even say that I'm Mexican, even though I'm not raised in the Mexican culture? So, because I didn't want to, I'm very aware of, you know, cultural appropriation, you know, and I actually, like, I mean, there was, like I was in a room with my cousins, people who, like, I had never met. You know, who didn't know me immediately started treating me like I was their, you know, I was a long lost cousin, you know, like I was part of the family. And I asked them, I said, I have a very serious question. And, you know, they're like, what, what, you know, ask us, ask us. And I said, can I call myself Mexican? Because my, you know, biological father, who I don't know who he is, you know, was Mexican. And they all looked at me shocked. And they all started yelling at me at the same time. They're like, "Of course you're Mexican. <laughs> oh. Yes, your father's your father's Mexican. Yes, you're Mexican." And it was it was just so. I just felt so
0: wanted. Yeah, it sounds like that was very affirming. But I
1: never really felt from my my own mother. Yeah, but that was a that was like that was I was like, boom, depression gone. Five years, five years in depression gone.
0: That's amazing.
1: So last November, okay, I said, Larry said, so I keep getting these messages from Ancestry, Twenty Three and Me, from my ter- my heritage. You have DNA matches. I look, okay, third cousin, fourth cousin, fifth. Okay, fine. I don't need any more cousins. <laughs> I know. I want to know, I know. It's so somebody closer. I get the one message from my heritage, and it said, niece or half niece, and I. Felt like, I mean, it was like I fell off my chair. What? Someone, this is the first time in seven years that somebody tested who is not a cousin. So immediately I go to my heritage, I look. The last name is one of the families from um, that small area of uh, Zacatecas, uh, Mexico. So I immediately I take all that information and I start messaging uh my cousins who I'm chatting with already. they're like, oh, okay, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense, okay, okay, okay. And I look at the picture. So then I said, of course, then I send this information to my uh search angel that I had. She immediately goes on ancestry, she's going in, you know, my heritage, she's you know, she's like, oh my God, she says, This is so huge, so huge, because she said, actually, uh, My heritage said she'd be a grandniece, but that's impossible because I can only be a grandniece if I had a full brother or sister. I don't have any full brother and sister. Right. This meant that her, uh, one of her parents was a half-sibling. She was a half-niece. The uh, search angel, you know, starts digging in Facebook, you know, different places. She sent, sent me her Facebook profile my heart almost jumped out of my chest. This young woman is, um, I'd say thirties, you know, like early thirties. She looks like she could be a sister or my daughter. Wow. Same smile, same eyes, same shape of the face. And so my search angel found out that, that her father is my half brother and there were there was another half brother and another half sister who um, are uh, no longer alive. So I just have her father uh, is my half brother, and to actually sent a message to uh, this young know, woman on my heritage. Never know if she ever read it. I sent a message to her on Facebook. Uh, she didn't respond. Uh, you know I don't even know if she saw it. You know some people don't even see their messages on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And don't even read messages on the, you know, DNA site. And so I said, you know, I said to myself and I told my search angel, I said, you know what? I said, I have nothing to lose. She found out who my name of my, my search angel found, found out like within like half an hour who the name of my biological father was.
0: Wow.
1: So I told the search angel, yeah, this is a messenger. You know, didn't hear anything or this and that. I said, you know, she found out the name of, um, you know, her father, my half-brother. I just told her, everyone's information is on the internet, right? Right. You can plug in anybody's name, find out where they live, what their telephone number is, you know, everything. So that's what I did. I bought reports on them. And I, I said, I don't have anything to lose. I know the name of my biological father was, and I'm going to write them a letter, you know forget message Facebook, forget message to you guys, you yeah. know, DNA sent a uh,
0: site, send everybody a letter. Did they live in the same city as you, or were they living out Um, of- No, they're in California.
1: And um, I said, you know what? If they respond, they respond. If not, not. I can't stay attached to this anymore. And I found out the name of my biological father. That's the only thing I wanted to know. And my half brother called me probably within the same week that he probably received my letter.
0: And what was that conversation like? It
1: really went well. It
0: really went well. So did
1: he know about you? You know, interestingly enough, he said that there was he told me that there was another woman who contacted him some years ago, I don't know exactly when, who also said that she was his half-sister. But never followed up she didn't like stay in touch or anything like that she just you know want to tell him that hey guess what you know
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he didn't follow up you know follow up she didn't follow up but as soon as we talked he was like so glad to hear from me and he actually sent me pictures uh texted me a lot of pictures of his father it's hard it's hard for me to say like our father you know it's even hard for me to say like half brother because it's so like foreign to me uh, so we've talked a couple times on the phone and uh, I've actually messaged uh, more than a few times with his daughter, my half niece, who looks so much like like me. Uh, and that's the first thing I said in the letter. I said, you know what? I know this is going to be very shocking to you, but I believe, you know, and I gave the name, uh, was my biological father and you're my half brother. and You know, this woman is my um, half niece, and I actually printed out um, a photograph of me and my half niece, and kind of, you know, kind of like did a Photoshop thing Mm -hmm. and kind of like split them, put them like side by side, and I was like, oh my god, this is just.
0: So this was in November. It's just last November. Okay, so I mean, what are what do you hope for your relationship with him? Do you hope to meet him or any of your?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely um whenever all this COVID gets over because I really don't
0: want to fly anywhere Mm -hmm. well that's so exciting yeah it's just it's have you learned anything about him and and maybe does that like explains anything about your personality or interests or anything like that
1: um not so much um not so much about my personality or interests. all I know is that um He was in the Korean War and uh, because I have a picture of him in uniform and my half brother told me that he was and he did live in Chicago uh, and worked in the steel mills in Chicago which is which is was on the south side of Chicago they were in the southeast side of Chicago Mm. and my parents lived on the southwest side of Chicago but I have no idea how um, they would have Matt or anything like that, I don't know if it was unfair, I don't know if it was, in, it, was, it was an assault, because he went but his age in Chicago was certainly not in his 40s or 30s. he was in his 20s when he was in Chicago, and my mother had me when she was 41. Okay. I have no idea what happened, and I really don't care. you know:
0: How did your like friends and you know if you have a partner or anything, how did they react to this?
1: Um, let's see, in seven years, you know, people's reactions just run the gamut, you
0: know, people are either like,
1: wow, like, you know, know, it's like, they feel sorry for you, feel sad for you, you know, like growing up that way. Oh my God, how can you not know, you know, I mean, people really, you know, what I discovered, I mean, there are a hell of a lot more NPEs than like people will ever realize.
0: Yes, yes.
1: ever realize I mean people have like no idea and actually people who grow up in and I'll put in it in quotes I'm doing like air quotes now with my fingers mm-hmm. right people who grow up in like happy families or grow up with like you know lot, like, you know they know their aunts they know their uncles you know grow up with their grandparents you know they run around with their cousins they have no freaking clue what it's <laughs> like to I mean seriously yeah. you know to grow up you know without without a big family, without running around with cousins and aunts and uncles, and you know people have no idea you know, and they think you're some type of freak for growing up like that I mean seriously,
0: yeah, is there anything that you've done to kind of feel more connected to your Mexican side just culturally?
1: I don't it's like i've like I said like i've always I've always felt that way i mean i've always I've always done things like that, you know I mean. It's really kind of hard to describe. You know, as a friend of mine called it, it's like blood memory. I already know about it, even though I didn't grow up in the Mexican culture.
0: What are some things that you've done that have just kind of helped you process throughout this journey?
1: Like I said, I'm a yoga teacher. And I don't teach the type of yoga that is very, the way people in the West think yoga is all about. You know, let's uh, twist ourselves into a pretzel and put a leg behind my neck. I teach authentic yoga that is all about the relief from suffering. That's authentic yoga. That's real yoga. And so that's the ultimate goal of yoga. Mm -hmm. So I'm very familiar with uh, meditation and I'm a Buddhist. That's my self-care is meditation and yoga. And the whole philosophy of not being attached to things and that we create our own suffering. So I had to delve deeply into my training as a Buddhist and as a yoga teacher as far as relief from my own suffering about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm actually good with, if we never meet, I'm actually pretty fine with that. No, I really am and uh he's a phone call away and you know we had talked about hey you know when this you know covid stuff gets better you know going out to meet and i'm still going to meet you know i still want to fly down to my uh you know meet my cousins in um houston still planning that like i feel like i know these people right Right. you know we call each other uh cousin all the time in spanish you know hey prima how's that
0: Mm -hmm. that's beautiful what advice would you give to a parent who might be hiding a DNA surprise from their child? Oh my God my
1: my, my <laughs> advice to a parent who has is hiding this is you know what? Tell the damn truth. Tell the truth. Even if it hurts you, tell the truth to your child. That, I mean that could save so much grief. You know that can that can save so much pain. Truth is always better in the light, so to yeah.
0: speak. Yeah, yeah. And what advice would you offer someone who just found out that they're an NPE?
1: Number one, like you're not alone. You are not alone because that's like your first thing. Like, oh my god, who's going to believe this? What? How can this happen? You know, you have no idea how much you know how many people are have the same story. Not same story, but you know, similar story, right?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And there's there's um, there's actually um, a saying in India: "Same, same, but different." When like NPEs are like same, same but different. We're all the same. <laughs> so that's true. Serious, yes. But it's a different But it's a different story, right? Everybody has a different story, but same,
0: same but different makes sense, right? Oh, that's perfect. Yes.
1: Know that you're not alone. And actually, my advice would be if I was, like, you know, doing a meditation training or yoga training to, you know, mm-hmm. a group of NPEs, I would actually talk about, you know, what we talked about, about the craving, the attachment, that that is going to cause your suffering, you know. So you have to learn to, and I know it's easy, but not simple, right? Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to detach from that to save yourself pain.
0: That's such good advice.
1: It's like I said, simple, but not
0: easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Linda, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. Best of luck on your journey. I hope you get a chance to meet your brother and niece. And thank you again. Okay, well, thank you. Thanks again to Linda for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email DNA Surprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.